Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Neurodetergent. And this is Katie. Our goal is to reach like-minded folks in an effort to connect, encourage, and support each other in our struggles navigating life with neurodivergence. And, and to have some fun and laughs, laughs yes. along the way, Katie. Okay. <laughs> if you've got a stubborn stain on your atypical brain, you need neurodetergent. We're gonna spill the tea about ADHD and wipe it All right. I forgot. Katie. Hey. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. So this is our first episode of Neurodetergent. Um, going to kind of give you a little info, or if you can, Katie, give me a little info on exactly what we're trying to do here, in your own words. Okay. So um, we are both neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a more classic uh, male experience of what uh, your childhood was like dealing with that and just the experience of that overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we met, right? We hit it off. And so I think that like we can have conversations that other people can listen to where they could hopefully maybe feel less weird mm-hmm. about like how their brain works, maybe feel more connected, feel like a camaraderie. Right. A community. And it is. And it's, it's good to meet people uh, that you have those kinds of things in common with because I feel like I can relate to you on a level that I don't relate to a lot of people. Um, so give the listeners a little bit of info on who you are. Like, what do you do? All right. I am a... A licensed professional counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, what I do is I am platformed with two separate um, two separate online therapy platforms, and I have a caseload that I maintain, and I work from home, and I just do therapy all day with clients that I've been working with for a pretty long time, like since the beginning of COVID. And you specialize in certain areas, correct? I do. So I specialize in religious trauma, uh, and I specialize in working with clients who are neurodivergent and uh, clients who are um, LGBTQIA+. Um, I, so I opened up a practice in Springfield. In Springfield, Missouri. Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Queen City Counseling in 2018 um, after working at a hospital here in town, an acute psych hospital for kids, for about seven years. Um, And so uh, I started working with clients who had religious trauma, but I hadn't really studied that before. And so I started to research it and um, got really hyper-focused on like, what uh, the connection was with that and also the clients that I were see- was seeing were like LGBT and identified as trans, a lot of them. So there was this like huge overlap and like religious trauma and neurodivergence and the clients that I was seeing um, who had um, who were on the spectrum of all of those things that were connected. Right. So it just kind of became my niche and that just became kind of what I what I attracted. That's awesome. And, you know, living in the Midwest, there's a lot of religious trauma. There's plenty to go around. I think I had enough of uh, religious trauma when I was 
yeah. growing up. Uh, but to give everyone a little background on who I am, um, I am just a guy. <laughs> like I'm not licensed. I'm I, I'm licensed to drive. <laughs> I mean, you're also you you are a leader at work, right? I I am in management at the company I work for. I do work from home. Uh, leadership and leadership development is so you work a bit with of people. a passion of mine. I do work with people, okay. some of whom are neurodivergent. Yeah, you know, and queer, LGBT, uh, all of those things. But uh, you know, don't hate me because I'm just a cis white male. I mean, and I'm straight, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> um, so I think that it's important to say one thing here. Sure. Which is uh, the first time we – well, so we met on a dating app. Right. We we went on a date. We went on a date. And on that date, uh, we walk, We took a walk. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me about how you got diagnosed mm-hmm. when you were, like, in, a baby, basically. I was in kindergarten, but, yeah. Which, they're babies. Um, and how you thought that you had been misdiagnosed. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I said, did I say at the time that you did not say at the time after, after we'd known each other for a while is when you're like, no, you weren't misdiagnosed. You were not misdiagnosed. Okay. Eric. So I just wanted Um, to insert that little tidbit. Okay. And that's fine. And we can actually talk about that because that's one of the things that we need to talk about is our diagnosis. Because I was diagnosed in... Like 87 or 88. Okay. And when were you born? I was born in 81. Okay. I was born in or 83. Or maybe, so maybe it was 86, something like that. It was in, I was in kindergarten. Or sirens. So I was five. Right. It's fine. We live in a high crime neighborhood. It's fine. No, we don't. I mean, I, I don't. do. <laughs> 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 don't. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Just, we don't live together. Just for, just for reference, I do not live in a high crime area. <laughs> It's cool. I like to be, you know, I like to keep my ear to the street. Anyway. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Hang on, okay. It's fine. Um, I was diagnosed in kindergarten, apparently. Hang on. So you were born in 81. Yeah. And you were, you were born in October. I'm September. But September. Yeah. I was born in 83 and I'm August. Okay. So we are two years apart? Yeah. Okay. 30, you're 39, I'm 41. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure around the time I was diagnosed was kind of... ADD, and that's what we called it back in the day. It was okay. just ADD. Um, was kind of like the hot new thing. <laughs> right? It, it, I mean, seriously, it was... Okay, so, okay, hang on. Because that, I just want to say this. Okay, because that is not what you called it when you were five. You did not call ADHD the hot new thing. So no, you I called it the hot I new thing in your that. life. But I think that, I think by me saying that, what I'm trying to say is like my mom... You know, I love her to death, but she has a tendency to kind of jump on bandwagons because she reads like maybe an article or hears something from hang a friend. On, hang, in on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. But like, I understand all that. Also, you, you not only do very much have ADD, but like also you're it's like pretty significant and so and so and so just hang on and so like you're saying like your mom likes to jump on bandwagons and stuff but like also like that was a correct diagnosis right i understand i understand that it was the correct diagnosis (laughs) so then what are you saying it it just seemed like my mom okay so my parents owned a bookstore Mm -hmm. and so all of a sudden around the time i got diagnosed 
all of a sudden there's all these ADD books all over the place. I start hearing it about it like in Can I, outside of home. And maybe that's just one of those things where like, you know, you buy a certain model of car no, and then all of a sudden you see no, those all around. No, no. I can tell you what it is. What is it? It's that like the research into neurodivergence and like ADHD became more uh, accessible and like became more funded. And so the ex- like and so the availability of resources to treat um, ADHD and to identify that became more broad. And so like people could access those resources uh, now in a way that they couldn't before. And like the development of the like medication and like the things that treat ADHD and like identifying that at all became more like of a research topic that was like more accessible. And- okay. Uh, so okay. so it's like it's sort of <laughs> like it's sort of well no it's important because of this it's important okay. because of this because like that's exactly what's happening with like um gender affirming care okay is that um people are connecting like causality and causation and um or correlation and causality and they're mixing it up because they don't understand and so beca- they think that because more people are able to identify, um, like, in a way with their gender that is affirming to them. And, like, because that research is now uh, and our technology now is, like, more um, able to, like, connect the dots there, it's it's more – it's, like, the need for that and the resources are more available. And so – but people are thinking that it's a fad. Okay. And, like, they're equating, like, more – uh, openness about that with it being a fad rather than it's like no it's just more understood okay so I I, mean, I no that's a great point that's okay. a great point I didn't think of it that okay. way but I guess you know what I'm trying to say maybe hot new thing wasn't the, the sorry I, term, so, I definitely felt uh, personally attacked it, oh I'm so sorry <laughs> I may have over-identified. I but I <laughs> but I did. Um, I did understand that this was kind of a new thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Maybe not the hot like new thing, you but understood it was a that new thing. at the time when you were five. Yes. Yeah, I remember. Like I was aware of that because oh, wow. and and even even going into the next few awesome. years. Um, even going into the next few years, I um, would see more and more kids that I went to school with all of a sudden in the principal's office with me at lunchtime to take their pill mm-hmm. that didn't the year before or the year before that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And in fact, I was reading this article today, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but it was talking about how just like within 2010 and 2017, ADHD diagnosis increased like 31 percent mm-hmm. in just seven years yeah and that leads me to an interesting question that I've always wanted to ask you okay what if or or at, or no this is a this is more of a is it this or that type of okay. question yeah, yeah yeah shoot do you think we're just getting better at identifying these things or yes. do you think that this is the next step in human evolution oh shut okay <laughs> oh this is really hard for me to okay <clears throat> Let me ask you this. Sure. The part where you said the next step in human evolution, mm-hmm. what was it that uh, made you think of that? What is it? Did you read something? Did you 
here's something. I've, no, I've just kind of thought of that for a long time. And you remember me telling you about this book that I read mm-hmm. after I graduated high school. Something about like a hunter and a farmer's world and basically likening the minds of people that have ADD or ADHD to that of hunters where they're like constantly aware of their surroundings and things like that. Okay. And then like, you know, the neurotypicals as the farmers. They just, mm-hmm. you know, plow the field, till the till the land and, yeah. and just care for their crops and things where the hunters are moving and 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 aware and constantly I... trying to catch the next thing. Um and so it just, you know, things like that. And I know I went in my rant to you uh, mm. a couple weeks ago about the singularity and, and those kinds of things. And it just makes me wonder if, you know, we still evolve, right? Yeah. We're still evolving as human beings. What if this is our brains evolving as we see it become more and more common? Or are we just getting better at identifying it? And is it way more widespread than we ever believed? Um, I think that, like, all of that can be true at the same time. Okay. Cool. I mean, do you want to expand on that at all? Or well, you... like, I think that, like, both uh, that it's easier and we are more capable, like, through technology and, like, through medicine and all of those things to be able to identify, like, more, like, uh, like, I guess, like, we're able to identify neurodivergence in people with, like, greater accuracy and, like, in a lot, like, easier of a way where we haven't been in the past, right? And mm-hmm. so it's, like, like so, yes, and that's true. And, like, also that, like, um, that could be because of evolving, right? So, right. like, th- those two things can be true at the same time. I guess so. I just like to have an optimistic outlook. I, I feel <laughs> like that, like, what get like where you get into trouble with that, though, is, like, that, like, that then would suggest that people who are not neurodivergent are less evolved. And, like, that's, like, a little bit, like... X-Men. <laughs> like, that's, like, kind of fucked, right? Like, it's, like, um, because, like, and then you also get into this idea that, like, uh, it's like that we're superior because we have ADHD. But I do not feel superior because I feel very disabled by it. And, really? like, pretty disadvantaged. Really? Yeah. Because I don't feel that way at all. And I've been dealing with it for a long time. So let's, let's get back into it because we kind of went off on a little uh, side track okay, there which yeah. which is what we'll do because yes, you know because yeah it's, it's we're a us. Symptom, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know we're talking about my diagnosis in kindergarten and so i was my dad told me later on that he thought i was going to be the only kid that flunked out of kindergarten yeah because apparently i was getting sent to the principal's office every day and uh acting out and those kinds of things and so i was put on ritalin yeah and i took a pill in the morning before I went to school and I took a pill in the afternoon at lunch and every day for lunch throughout, I think up until I was like in high school, I was allowed to actually have my Ritalin on me. It was to the principal's office every single day. Yeah. To take my pill, right? Uh, at lunch. Did and you ever like cheek it? No. No. Okay. I just took it. Okay. I'm actually really good at taking pills. <laughs> I'm not a pill popper at all, but yeah. uh, I've never had an issue. I know some people can like choke out on those, you know, not yeah. have a difficult time taking them. But uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so I would take those at school. Um, I would take them before church. My parents would make me take them. Uh, like if we were going to like a birthday party or some kind of event or family gathering. Mm-hmm. I would be taking it. Yeah. Right. And um, like, would you ever protest? Not until later, but we'll actually get into that in a, in a little bit kind of after this, because I want to talk to you about your diagnosis okay. later on. Yeah. But um, 
I stopped taking Ritalin in my senior year of high school. And okay. I have not taken anything since. Okay. And I've managed. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. Now, you okay. were diagnosed recently. So, like, um, 2017 is when I got diagnosed. So, mm-hmm. how long ago? So, six years ago? Something like that. Is that recent? I can't do math in my head. Yeah, I think it's say that's okay. fairly recent. It was in the last decade, right? Yeah. So, recent, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I have to have everything very much defined. It's fine. Okay. Go on. Um, what else? You were married. Okay, yeah, I was yeah, married. I mean, let's, okay. let's, let's get into so, it. So, um, like, is there a different part where we're going to talk about my experience, like, when I, as a kid with, like, ADHD? I mean, we can talk about it right I'm gonna now. I want to do it now, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, when, so my birthday is August 21st, so that's usually, like, the time when, like, school starts, right? So, in, I was born in California, and in California, you could start kindergarten when you were four, mm-hmm. okay? So, school started on the day that I turned four. Oh, my God. And I started school, my kindergarten year, on the day I turned four. And yeah. um, so, I can't verify this as, like, fact or anything, but, like, there have been times in my life where I've been told that I was premature, um, but I cannot verify that at this point in time. And maybe some time we'll get into that story, yeah. um, but not today. Uh, so um, I was starting school the day I turned four, um, potentially premature child. I looked small for my age, so that I can think that that could be true. And I was had ADHD like mm-hmm. so the the narrative but you weren't diagnosed not diagnosed not diagnosed till 2017 so the narrative in my family and like the story gets told is that like I was really excited to start school and that's why I started school then okay mm-hmm. um I have no very like I don't have a lot of deep memories from like when I was that age of school I do remember like um it was, it was like reading time, mm-hmm. right? And I have this memory where the, the teacher's like, come sit on the rug. You read, right? And so I do remember that and like kind of like looking at the carpet and it was rainbow colors and mm-hmm. there were like tinsels in it and I was pulling the tinsel out. And at the end of the story, <clears throat> the teacher asked a question and then the girl next to me raised her hand and answered the question. And I remember thinking like, that's magic. I had no idea what we were supposed to be doing that I was going to be required to listen or ask questions. So that was kind of like my experience, right? And then we moved to Missouri whenever I was was, um, in second grade. And every moment after that, my educational experience is trash. Um, It is... Because of Missouri or... It is. um, (laughs) So I started school in second grade in Missouri in the middle of the semester um, the circumstances were kind of grim. We, I'm not going to get super into that, but, um, the school that I went to was Buffalo and Buffalo high school, and it's very small and rural. And I, we, how many kids would you say were in your graduating class? I didn't graduate. So I, I am not a hundred percent sure, but I think that just like, just randomly off the top of my head, even though I have no concrete idea, 50. Okay. I would say mine would be probably around the hundred. Okay. So my my town was probably maybe twice as big as yours. Probably, yeah. Like it was we still had, a small town. I think we had two stoplights, maybe, and like. Yeah, we had more. Okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, 
So, uh, we didn't have a super center, but you lived in Arkansas, so you probably had one in every town, no matter how big. Harrison, Arkansas is where store number two was, actually. Oh. My dad worked for them. Oh, uh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I uh, went to college with a girl and, like, shared an office with her, like, during my grad assistantship, uh, whose dad was, like, uh, the target guy Mm -hmm. for, like, the regional stuff. And so, yeah, anyway, that doesn't matter. But so when we moved here, it's like uh, I moved here and I am in a family of five children and two adults. So we're a family of seven. And Mm -hmm. I'm the fourth born. And so... I, there were certain ways that I was disadvantaged because of that, like in each class that I kind of went on to because of reasons. Okay. So anyways, I was also had ADHD and I hadn't learned jack shit like up to that point. So I really didn't know. And I was, I'm like a bit on the spectrum, but I'm very ADHD. You know, Mm -hmm. you've seen it. Um, Right. So I was seen as a disruption and I was just told to go. Outside of class. So I spent like probably 90% of my education from second grade on as just a fixture that like was not present inside the classroom. And so I did not know. I didn't learn anything at all. At all. When I dropped out of high school, I had not learned anything. (laughs) I had to teach myself like I knew how to read, but I didn't really know how to read like I had to kind of teach myself how to wow. read. Yeah. So wait, you're the one who told me the story about band, right? Mm-hmm. Tell yeah. Can we can we tell that story real quick? Okay. You played the French horn. Right? I play, no the trumpet. Trumpet. I just never learned how to play. I never learned how to play the trumpet. And how long but, were you in band? Like until I dropped out. So more than one year in high school, like so sophomore year, but like also in middle school. Okay. Um, I just didn't learn how to play until like one day I was like kind of cornered with like having to do a solo. And so I just smashed my bell of the trumpet in and was like, I can't <laughs> fucking do it. And I just did not ever know how to play. It was, wow. I know it's so, I mean, I think back on that. I'm like, could you imagine being a teacher for a second? <laughs> what would you do? I'd be like, what the <laughs> wrong with you <laughs> I would be like what the fuck's wrong with me as the teacher because I can't teach this girl how to play trumpet I mean I think at that point I have failed you I think at that point it was like there it was like un- kind, of, kind of like unspoken like we both knew and then it got to this point where she's like bitch like you can't it's like you're in high school now. Like we have to go like to places and perform and be like, so she had she kind of <laughs> had to like push me out at that point because it was like she I kind of think she bet on me just not following through and like leaving the class right yeah and when I just never did she's like what the fuck right wow okay interesting all right that's so. that's my take okay that's yeah. my take on the on my band. Uh, career. Your music career. My music career in, yeah, high school. Okay, so <clears throat> we've made it to high school. Now, yeah. okay. what happens? You enter adulthood. Oh, a lot happened, but we don't need to get into all that. Right. So, long story short, I get my shit figured out. Uh, I go to college and I take, um, I'm like in psychology, right? I'm getting ready to graduate. I have my last semester. And I just decided to take this class that's, like, um, not required of me, but it's, like, I get to test people's IQ. So I'm, like, that sounds fucking rad. Okay. And so I go into that class, and it, it just so happens that that class is taught by the um, department head of the counseling department, right? Right. And so she's, she saw something in me, I guess, maybe. But she she was, like, 
you know, I'm going to write you a recommendation letter to the counseling center um, to get a grad assistantship there. Wow. She's like, you you should apply uh, to our counseling program. And so I did. And then I got an interview to the counseling program uh, or the counseling center for a grad assistantship. And I got it. And they were like going to they paid for my tuition for my grad degree. And I got like a stipend to work there. So I started like uh, practicing counseling with the students in like 2011. That's and so awesome. I did that for a couple of years. And then I stayed there after for a little while after I, I graduated. And I started working at the hospital that I'm not going to use the name here. That's fine. You don't have to. Okay. Uh, and Sarah was my boss. Yeah. She hired me. It was... Uh, Sarah's in the room with us right now. Sarah's with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And so then while I was working there, I, um, I left Sarah's department and I started marketing for them and I loved it. Um, but it was also, there was some stuff there that was like, not, um, like I had to go driving around and shit and, uh, go marketing by like meet, like going like to nursing homes and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, I was like kind of losing track of time and like things started kind of feeling a little scary there. So I went to my doctor and I was like, yo, like, I feel like I might have a brain tumor (laughs) because I was like dry. I would be driving and I'd see like a, I'd see like a weird house and I'd be like thinking about it. And then suddenly I'd be like two hours later and I'm like, where the fuck am I? Holy shit. So I was really freaked out. And so my doctor was like, maybe you're depressed. And she prescribed me uh, Prozac and that gave me panic attacks and then uh she was like i'm gonna refer you to get an eval and so i went and did a psych eval uh and that was like two days and then they were like yo you got fucking bad adhd like how the fuck did you make it this far without knowing this wow and so they were like okay and then i went and saw a counselor for a f- like probably six sessions and then she referred me to a psychiatrist and then he was like we're gonna choose on some Adderall. Right. And so I was like, okay. And then I started taking Adderall and it changed my fucking life. Well, that really leads us into the next thing that we're talking about because there, I saw an article today and there's an Adderall shortage, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they were talking about, you know, the different things that can affect it because it's like a controlled substance and the DEA has to sign off on you know, how much they expect to produce, but yet the numbers of ADHD diagnosis are increasing year over year. And so it's causing these massive shortages, which you've suffered from. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I asked you about it and you told me <coughs> that you were considering going off of Adderall. And yeah. so I guess my question is, is if it changed your life completely, why are you going off of it? Because I remember when you didn't have it and... um you of the, were because you of were the like shortage, yeah. Out a little bit, you know. You were like, yeah. I, I can't function without it. So I'm just curious why now you would want to try going without. Okay, so like the last year mm-hmm. that, uh, or maybe it's been about two years since the shortage start shortage started. That's mm-hmm. a hard. That's a mouthful. Okay. Um, it's like uh, to get the prescription filled. It feels like a nightmare to a person who has ADHD um, in the in the flavor that I have it in. Okay. Okay. Um. So it's like uh, 
they don't have it. And, and like, so here's some examples of things that I've experienced since the shortage started. Sure. Uh, they don't, they don't have the prescription. So I've, I've been told, okay, we don't have the 60 pill. We don't have 60 tabs. So we're going to give you 45. You have to pay for 60 and you're not going to get the other pills that you've been prescribed that's shitty that i mean right it's like i'm like okay and because i mean what do you do right what do you do okay i am like i feel like that's like i i'm like are you my drug dealer like what the fuck you don't have it all i mean this is crazy right Mm -hmm. they already make they don't make the system is already designed and set up in such a way that um if you are somebody who has felt ostracized or oppressed or um, been felt to like uh, that, like you're wrong or something's wrong with you, mm-hmm. that like you go into that system that's designed and you feel like you're wrong. And so anything that they tell you in that space, it's like you're like, they, they think I'm a fucking addict. I'm here for my pills. And then you go on reddit because you're an idiot right you're an idiot like me and you right. type in adderall shortage and you click on walgreens and it's like just people calling like you know people with adhd like zombies and fucking this right mm-hmm. so it's like um the whole system triggers like every single thing <laughs> in me that like uh is tied to my childhood and my experience with my education being like wrong and like a mm-hmm. distraction and if something's wrong with me go away like that it like triggers that shit in me and so it's like it's like just to get my meds i have to go through this whole rigmarole of fucking bullshit that like makes me feel all the worst ways about myself and then mm-hmm. i get my and then i get my meds and then i take them and then the next time I have to get my script filled, I have to then stop taking them for an indefinite amount of time because I don't know when they're going to get refilled again. So it's like this like time suspends a bit. And so in that space, I fucking I'm like, I can't function. My executive functioning goes out the fucking window because it's like things don't feel predictable or like in there's not a pattern that I can predict. And so um, recently, uh, I, excuse me, I was pretty fucked up. And I just like had this moment where I was like, I, I can, I think I've learned enough about myself. And I think that I know, um, I think I can, I think I can develop some other coping mechanisms uh, that um make me feel less bad than that. Okay. <laughs> and just not take it anymore. So are you just going to do like a let's try this or are you swearing off of it? I mean, I'll, I don't swear off of things because I think that that's, um, that doesn't really like work for me because I change my mind a lot. Okay. Um, and so I think like right now this feels, uh, this feels comfortable. I feel like this is a good decision. I feel like, um, I'm at a place in my career where I feel like I can comfortably, uh, juggle my schedule and like, um, I feel, uh, I, you know, the caseload that I've maintained for a while, like I'm pretty, I'm working pretty steady with those clients. And so, and then we're doing this. And so that's kind of a creative outlet. And I think mm-hmm. I'm just going to kind of see, uh, you know, see how it goes. Um, if things spiral out of control, but I think that the spiral comes with like the, 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 uh, feeling of like, 
okay, now I got to figure out which pharmacy has Adderall in. So I got to mm-hmm. call places and I hate fucking calling yeah, places. Yeah, it's like now I have to do and all have to this wait, extra Yeah, work. and like <laughs> waiting on hold on Walgreens or like what a Walmart or something is like, that feels like torture. That's torture. <laughs> It's I don't, abusive. <laughs> I don't want to fucking do it. And like, it's like, God, I'd rather. So after like one year of like every single month, um, like having to go through the, I'm, I'm on, I get stabilized for a month on my meds and then I'm off them for a month yeah. because they don't have them. And then I'm stabilized again on my meds for a month and then they don't have them for two months. Or, so it's or just a this week. constant like so up and down con- and you're yes, and having like, to cope with it already yeah, and without so taking it. Once I get on my meds, it's like all like by the end of the month that I've stabilized on them, like everything's into place and functioning, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, all right, I'm going to the gym, I'm doing this, I got this going on. And then it's like I go to refill my meds and then it's like I have to not only then like not know when I'm going to be able to get them refilled Mm -hmm. but I'm also got I've also got to keep all these things that I've now maintained for a month and like built up I've got to maintain all that do you find it's easier to maintain those things I can maintain like going to the gym and things like that I can I, I think um it what's hard for me to maintain when I'm not on my medication, like say the month goes on and I'm not on my meds, but I, but I'm not going to be getting them the next month. So it's not like a situation where I'm like having to readjust and re acclimate and all that over and over again. So if I just stop taking them, I can build like a system and a routine that functions. The part that will suffer is pay my bills, mm. checking my mail, um, like buying the things, you know, like dishwashing detergent when I'm at the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you I, you're, you're naming off all these things and I'm like, I have a system for every single one of those things. Yeah, <laughs> but I have a natural, very like primal, like opposition to systems. Why? Uh, so did great. you not listen to my whole story about my educational fucking experience? Well, my educational oh my experience God. wasn't... But it was routine and it was structured and it was like engaging and people weren't shunning you to the fucking hallway. I mean, I was shunned a lot, even on Ritalin. But, uh, you know, it wears off before seventh period in my uh, math class. In I believe seventh grade, I was just a terror. Eric, I couldn't read. Every day, I couldn't read in seventh grade. Okay, you win. You win. I mean, I win as far as like why I'm oppositional to systems. But it's a coping mechanism for me, right? That's how I deal with it, and that makes sense. So, do you feel like I have severe ADHD? I mean, I don't think that you have. Okay, like. It's a spectrum, right? right? And so I think that, like, you are, um, like, you are on the spectrum, similar to where I'm at on the spectrum. I think that you had advantages in life Mm -hmm. that make it to where you can function a little bit easier. Right. um, In ways that I am dysfunctional uh, because... It wasn't identified for so long, and also because I would like grew up in poverty and right. I mean, I grew isolated. up in a in a trailer park, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't. Did you go to the dentist? I did go to the dentist. Did you go to the doctor? I did go to the okay. doctor. So oh. yeah. So okay. Again, you went. I mean, I guess technically I, I won. Actually, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I won. Right. Right. Um, but. Uh, 
So as far as like ADHD medication, <coughs> yeah, um, for me is concerned. You know, I was on Ritalin K through twelve, right, and then I stopped, and yeah. then I was able to make it all the way to forty one without you know. Here's here a oh, major catastrophe. Oh, I wanted to tell you my epiphany, and okay, I saved epiphany? I saved it for this actually. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, my epiphany that I had the other day was like, um, so. Kind of the epiphany that I had along the same time I was thinking I cannot be on my medication is because of the similarities that I have seen with us in the way that we have, like in our brand of ADHD, I don't know what to fucking call it, but like we have similar traits and characteristics. Mm -hmm. Right. So like I, when I take medication, do you remember when you, when you hung out with me when I wasn't on my medication and then you said like, yeah, you were a little different. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, yeah, I do not like I don't, when I take medication, I don't like myself that much. I get my shit done and I check my mail and I pay my bills Mm -hmm. and, but, and like I can paint a picture, but like, I'm not like, I'm not like feeling a lot of good inside. Right. Right. And that's, yeah, exactly. That's why I stopped. Yeah. So my experience with it, because I, it was never a, I need this type of thing. It's. I, I need, have to yeah. because that's so. If I don't show up at the principal's office to take my pill, they're gonna and tell my here, mom. here is a perspective I want you to to ponder or reflect on. Okay, so like you maybe didn't want to take your meds, uh, you didn't want to take Ritalin during that time where you were like being educated, mm-hmm. um, but you didn't have a choice, and like that helped you in ways that like now you can utilize certain like resources that I feel pretty uh dysfunctional around right like and what? like um like it's really difficult for me to call like on the phone somebody and be like hey I need to ask about my prescription it's like feels like it really does feel like torture it is not really? easy I have a really hard time like checking my mail and things like that. Where like it, your email or like no, your mailbox? No, my mailbox. I It like becomes like this task that I can't get to. And then it gets bigger and bigger and it gets more and more like feeling like I can't. And like part of that is related to my upbringing, is related to my experience at school and being very like um, like kind of like a left behind kid mm-hmm. is really true. Like anyways, so... Um, I, I needed medication when I was in school and that would have really benefited me because I would have been able to do math and read and understand that I was supposed to be doing those things and why. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't have that opportunity and like, I was not identified as a kid. I was just seen as like a problem. And so when I did get medication, even though it did make me feel those ways about myself where it was like, this isn't fun anymore. It was like I needed that to be able to get my life together in a way so that I could move on to whatever step is going to get me away from the things that were like causing me harm. And so like maybe so when I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, it did the work of that. And I appreciate that. And I um, I'm not regretful. I'm like, I don't have regrets that I had to take medication for that to happen, but I don't need it. And now I can figure it out from here. Right. And, like, maybe that's not for everybody, and that doesn't work that way for everybody. But I think that, like, similar to you, it can work that way for me now. Okay. Does that make sense? That that makes sense. Okay. I mean, again, I don't see it because I can only tell you what my experience was. Yeah. Right? Um, And my experience was I felt like a zombie. Mm -hmm. Like, I 
felt um, very introverted. And like you, which is not who I am. Right. And like, here's the thing. I guess like what I really want to make clear to you, so that you understand, because I whatever I don't care about that. So I, I don't think that it's fair that you had to take medication in order to get the education that you did or learn the way that you did. That's bullshit. Our education system should not function like that. There should be space in our, in our schools for kids that are neurodivergent and they shouldn't have to take pills so that they sit still for fucking 12 hours a day. So you're saying that there could be like alternative yes. so, teaching methods. Yes. However, because of the school system being designed, it was, and because of the circumstances that you were in, the only way that you would have been able to get any education is to be on Ritalin because the way that you function is not designed to like function within function the way the school within. system is. Designed. Yeah. And so like, it sucks that that happened to you and that is traumatic. And I don't think that that should have ever happened to you. But what I'm saying is like, you benefited from it yeah. and that sucks. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. Okay. But okay. What led me to stop taking it, okay. okay, is because it did make me feel like a zombie. I felt very introverted. I felt like there was this version of me yeah. that was being suppressed yeah. every time I took that medication. And, like, whenever I would take it, when I would go to a birthday party, if it was, like, a long event, you can feel it. Like, you can feel it wearing off. Yeah. And then I can feel myself coming out of my shell and interacting and being more social with others and having fun. With other kids. Because I was lonely. I got bullied a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends. And I blame Ritalin a lot for that. I feel like yeah, it's part really of my sad. childhood was stolen from it. So I just flat out told my mother. I think this was right in the middle of my senior year. I was just like, Mom, I don't want to take Ritalin anymore. Mm-hmm. And she didn't argue. Good. And she was like, okay. And, and since that day, I haven't taken another Ritalin. Now... I mean, Ritalin is a stimulant, correct? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I drink a pot of fucking coffee every morning, right? right? And I'm a a huge caffeine drinker. And I, is there, like, does caffeine have an effect on people with ADHD to help them focus and things like that? Like, is that a thing? Well, you have ADHD and it helps you focus. So, yeah. (laughs) 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 Sorry. But, uh, you know, I've managed to, to make it through, you know, my I mean, so and still be kind let of me get right. a little tiny bit touchy. So when you tell that story, the only thing that I take away from it is like the sad part of that. What you probably learned subconsciously or consciously is that like when you are yourself, you are not desired. No, because you're out of your shell. When you're out of your shell, you're supposed to take the meds, go back and. No, I didn't feel like I, I didn't. It wasn't a thing about desire. It was just a thing about. You know, just a part of me being suppressed, not not desired. Did you not ever consider that, like, the part of you that you liked is the part of you that, like, other people wanted to suppress? No, not okay. really. I mean, it Sorry. was just kind Sorry. of... Sorry. <laughs> like, ADHD was never communicated yeah. to me by my parents oh. or by any professional during my evaluation as any kind of disorder. Oh, it's in the name. I know, but it this isn't you're not disabled, you don't have a learning disability. This is just you're just different and you you're just you have trouble paying attention. That's all. And that so that's kind of how it was like okay. put to me. Okay. And I feel like I've learned more about ADHD just in the last year 
than I ever did yeah. as a child yeah. with AD, ADD yeah. <laughs> and being on Ritalin from kindergarten through senior year. Yeah. You know, um, so it was never, there was a girl who gave me a hard time in class once and teased me and said I had a learning disability. I'm like, I'm a fucking learning disability. What are you talking about? You know, I mean, I had. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was never put to me like this was like, there's something wrong with you. Right. You know, so it was never a, this is, this is because you're, the version of you is not what we desire or anything. It's more of, Hey, you're having trouble in school and this is just going to help you pay attention and learn. Why did you have to take it to church then or a birthday party? (sighs) Because I would misbehave. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we can move on from thing. this no, part. Okay. That's the thing. Like, I would, you know, I would. Right. right my right, dad, right. like, anytime we would go into a store or something, it's like, put your hands in your pockets. Don't touch anything. Like, I was, I did stupid shit. I was a boy that did dumb shit as a kid mm-hmm. and would say dumb shit to random people. I mean, I still do that just online. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, speaking of which, we've actually, <laughs> we really only have 15 minutes left. So let's get into some fun stuff. So let's we, get into fun stuff, of, yeah. I mean, not that what we weren't, we're talking about just now isn't fun. I, I don't think it's fun. It feels like of work. Of course. Um, <laughs> I mean, this was, the whole thing was your idea. Katie. I mean, you uh, bounced on it. Come on. But, you know, this is what I enjoy doing. <laughs> yes. um, but anyway, so some of the things that we talked about that we're going to, kind of do on this podcast is like maybe talk about like what would be like our hyper focus of the week now hyper focus is a word that i never really heard until uh about the last year and it's weird and i told you before we started the show this this evening was that like even the word neurodivergent Mm -hmm. and things like that were not in like regular vocabulary around me yeah just up until like the last year, I started hearing that word a lot, and and especially like starting dating. You see a lot of girls put that on their profile. They're yeah. neurodivergent. Um, <laughs> and speaking of which, this is something I thought of when you were going off on your rant earlier. But uh, I thought it was a rant. <laughs> you know, it seems like it was only ever boys that were going to the principal's office to take mm-hmm. Ritalin. I don't remember any girls that I went to school with we having had been diagnosed with ADHD. So was it something that was believed was more common in boys? And it still is. They didn't. It still is. Do you ever recall any kind of professional at school suggesting maybe you get evaluated for ADHD as a child? No. So they failed you, right? I mean, so, yeah. I was like, so before, before like ISS was available for like, whatever year that started i was literally just in a in a a, like sitting at a desk right outside the door okay so like no i don't know that that school had professionals all right so what so what would you say a hyper focus is um so the way that i would describe my hyper focus uh, or just what what is hyper focus in general so hyper focus is like um so like this week, for example, I started looking into like Carl Jung and like archetypes and shadow work. And so an example of how that manifests, that that hyper focus, is that I have now like filled my journal with like archetypes and then have done have like put several tarot readings. I'm like trying to find which tarot deck I want to work with next to do shadow work. Um I have like um, looked at all of the tarot like um, major arcana in comparison with the archetypes and like put words 
basically you know, all of that. That's hyper focus. And and what <laughs> so what led you to oh. well no define the word hyper focus. I mean so like that. Here, I'm I mean, just, you just I'm told me what Goog- yours is. I mean, I'm going to Google it because I think it's different for everybody. So I don't want to like, I don't want to come up with a definition if I can just look it up and we can just define it. Okay. Um, hyperfocus. It's like a hyperfixation, but okay. Hyperfocus, broadly and anecdotally speaking, is a phenomenon that reflects one's complete absorption in a task. To a point where a person appears to completely ignore or tune out everything else. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And your hyperfocus has been Carl Jung shadow work. Shadow work. work. Shadow work. Yeah, I've been on it like a bonnet. So lately, mine, of course, as you already know, has been pizza, which oh, all started it's from been the best hyperfocus I've ever. I know, right? <laughs> which I've ever experienced. Which started with a. I mean, I had gotten really into baking before previously, and it's just a YouTube video was recommended to me about making pizza at home, and then I went down the rabbit hole, and all of a sudden I'm making pizza all I'm the time. I'm so glad. Time. Where is the pizza right now? Um, I have a. I have the dough ball in the fridge. Oh. Actually, we could probably have some if you want. No, I've got to get it um, when we're done. But uh, <laughs> anyway. This week, though, has been that damn theme song for the show. Oh, my show. gosh. For like, real. I mean, the thing Again, is, your hyper-focus has really have benefited me so far. Right. I know. I appreciate that. Um, That's not how mine work, usually. Mine are very self-indulgent. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible because I can sit in my recliner and use this studio app that you can make music on. Yeah. And I I was tweaking it last night and I've gone over it and I've listened to it a thousand times and, and going over it and putting each little, you know, hi hat and all those kinds of things in there, changing the instrumentation and all those kinds of things just for this little twenty five second song that's gonna go on this podcast that hopefully someone will listen to. I mean right? I'm, I'm definitely going but, to <laughs> you know I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I look at my watch and it's like nine o'clock where normally I'm in bed by like eight, eight thirty. And I'd been sitting there since like 6.30 and I just completely zoned out. I hadn't gotten up out of my chair or anything, just sat there. How many minutes? How many? How long was like it? Like two and a half hours. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Which it's pretty impressive, but that's the thing. It's like, I've never had that moment where like you see a house and all of a sudden you're two hours late for work. Yeah. I'm always on time for everything. I'm always early. I'm I'm never oh, late. Yeah, I'm always you know? I'm pretty late. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like almost always late. As in the late Katie Harrison. Um, oh, damn. Hitchhiker's <laughs> <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy. Trip. Oh well, you know I don't. I know. Okay. I know you don't. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that it's just kind of interesting how looking at it through the lens of well, this is a hyper focus and being like aware of it. Yeah. I can look back in my life and just be like, oh, of course, all of those things that I've done throughout my life yeah, that I want to try this, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I was actually talking to my parents about it um, because they would always get mad because I would start something and then I would quit, right? So like Boy Scouts and karate and soccer and football and band and, you know, all of these things. Yeah. And it's like, I still do that. But I don't feel like a quitter. I don't feel like a failure. I feel like I wanted to try something. I tried it. And now I want to try something else. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see what that is. And now, when I'm explaining it to him, now I'm like, that's just, like, a symptom of, you know, that's 
yeah. how my brain works. And you guys gave me a really hard time about it when I was a kid. What you do know? they say when you say that? They were just like, oh. Did they apologize? <laughs> no. They, I don't know. I'm not going to ask my parents for an apology. That's just, I don't know why. I don't know. Okay. If, if I'm going to ask my parents to apologize for anything, it'd be for circumcising me. I agree. I think, I, how have you not? Have you? I've expressed that I wish they hadn't. And my mom has said if she had it to do over again, she would have done it. Because she said she felt terrible after it was done. But she won't apologize? I don't know. I mean, I guess if I asked her to say she's sorry, she probably would. But I haven't asked her for one. Okay. You know. my, my parents are cool. I, I have a good relationship with my folks. So uh, not so much other members of our family. But, okay. you know, that's yeah. neither here nor there. Uh, so anyway, that's, I guess, what we're... Hyper- I think, you know what I'm going to do? What? I am going to start... I'm going to I'm gonna have a clicker mm-hmm. next time. And I'm going to I'm gonna press it every time you say something like how much you love your parents or how good of a relationship you have with them. This is the first time I've said it. No, it's not. Are you serious? Yeah. We're going to play this. No! <laughs> you realize we're recording this, right? Uh, oh, I know. All right, let's move on. We, yeah. had some, we had some fun things that we were going to do. We don't have enough time to do them all, but I do want to do, I wanna do, I wanna the, do uh, ask men and ask women. Okay. We're going to do the ask men. We're going to save the mental health stuff okay. for the next episode. Okay. Because we've got a lot of good meat here, Katie. Meat and and the, the show is almost over. Okay, cool, okay? cool. Uh, but... One of the things that you and I like to do is kind of go through these, like, uh, advice things and uh-huh. just kind of read them to each other. And we do actually have a couple people who've emailed us that knew we were doing the show and have some questions for us, too. So let's do some of the fun stuff, and then we'll get to okay. the questions, and then we'll wrap it for today. Okay, cool. And anything on our list that we didn't get to today, Katie, we'll yeah. just do it next time. Yes, we can right? do that, yeah. Now, if you do want to... Uh, ask us any questions or anything, you can always email us at neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. But let me pull this up on my phone and we'll just kind of take turns. I picked three uh, for you. And these are some ask women because it's always interesting to get your um, perspective on things. Yeah. Because your perspective is pretty unique. Because you are a pretty unique individual. You're not... Just a normal... A run-of-the-mill gal. Uh, gal. But the first question I think we can both relate to. Okay. What do you consider a shitty marriage? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think, like, any, any marriage where, like, one or more of the people involved in the marriage is, like feeling like uh invalidated or unheard or hurt or like harmed that's a shitty marriage but don't you think most relationships would have moments where people are experiencing those things but not necessarily say that it's a shitty marriage because i mean people get hurt in good marriages too right? i mean i think communication then mm-hmm. okay that's that's solid then like a shitty marriage is like one where there's not there's not like effective productive kind empathetic communication for me coming out of two shitty marriages (laughs) i think i can boil it all down to one word Mm -hmm. and that's effort yeah you know um but i mean here's the thing here's the thing like um it like even if somebody's putting in mass amounts of effort and both people are putting in effort if they are not communicating what that effort is and what those needs are that to be met then like it doesn't matter what it's wasted effort okay 
Okay. Like, if you're like, oh, my God, I've been doing the dishes and doing this and cleaning the house and making sure I mow the lawn, you know, this whole time. And, like, you've been unappreciative. And if I'm like, oh, I don't, like, I don't, I didn't know that, like, that was what you were doing that for. It's like, tell me that. Right. If that's, like, effort you're putting in and you're not communicating to me that that's, like, what you need or, like, want me to, like, recognize. And, like, there's But no that's point. not really that other person putting in the effort to communicate. To communicate, though. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm right. Who knows? Yeah. What does a good marriage look like? Because I, I mean, haven't seen... I haven't had one yet. <laughs> I think a good marriage... I mean, I hate the word marriage. So, like, maybe that's throwing me off. Mm-hmm. I think, like, partnership is more important than marriage. Marriage is a... F- like, I don't even like the institution or, like, to even, like... So, like, a good relationship, a healthy relationship. Okay. Is one where the two people are communicating and, like, they're not just communicating because they want the other person to hear what they're saying and, like, agree, but because they want to listen to what the other person is saying because they don't want to hurt them and they want to, like, know what the best way to move forward is. And, like, when there's care like that and empathy like that for the other person and those things are communicated, like, that's a healthy relationship. That's a good – that's a solid relationship, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a partnership or whatever, right? Right. I like it. Yeah. All right, what you got for me? All right. What is a lie? This is Ask Men. Okay. What is a lie you have realized people tell? Example, people saying they like their jobs. Oh, wow. Um, people that say good when you ask how they're doing. What about people who ask how they're doing? Do you, Do you think, think that, they're lying that they actually want to know? That's possible. <laughs> that's very possible because I say it all the time. And I, <coughs> you don't want to know. Oh, then don't <laughs> say it. Don't say it. What should I say? Just hi? You should say, yeah, hi. How's it hanging? No. <laughs> Just hi. You Just don't, hi. Yeah, hi. Okay. Hi, hope you're well. But what if that's a lie? Then don't say that. <laughs> say, I hope you're fucking hurting. What's a lie that you feel like you've heard? <laughs> okay. It's so lie. Um, okay, so like a lie um, I've realized that people tell recently. I think um, that uh, they're trying their best. I think people lie a lot when they you say that. You think people aren't really trying their best? I think, like, that people who say that, sometimes I'm like, I feel like, if you feel like you gotta say it. Yeah. Then, like... I mean, I can tell you from a leadership perspective that I know a lot of people who've told me that they're trying their best really aren't. How many times you know? have you told people that you're leading, that you're trying your best when you're not? I don't. I don't like remember. if it's they have really a re- if they have like a request or if they need something and you're like I'm trying my best to get you that. Are you really? I'm I make a point to try and deliver. Okay. Um okay. as far Solid. as for things. I mean, look, like leadership is I mean, this is a passion of mine and being like um, you know, treating people with like integrity and, and dignity and making sure I'm responding to them yeah. in a timely fashion and you know, I've talked to you about how I structure like my management style. Have I you have ever thought about meeting. being? Have you ever thought about being a therapist? I have. Yeah. 
Yeah, and how I meet with my people once a week. They know they have 30 minutes of my undivided attention every single week. Um, and a lot of times if they ask me for things, I'm like, let me shoot a message over to my boss right now while you're sitting here in front of me. You know, um, so that's kind of how I try to do things. And I try not to leave people hanging either. Yeah. And that kind of stems from a sales background too, because I ran a specialty department in a retail okay. outlet where I... <laughs> I had managers under me okay, and okay. would have to deal with customers that wouldn't get like a call back or something. And I'm like, look, if you tell someone you're going to call them back, you call them back even if you don't have a news I have a Okay. I have a funny question. All right. What's up? Okay. This kind of goes off this one. Okay. What do you think is the most common lie that you've realized that you see the most frequently on dating apps? I like that's, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. I don't know. Like, are you talking about like just on people's profiles? In a bio or whatever. Yeah. On a profile. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Okay. Because I don't really spend a whole lot of time reading the bios. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, I, there's just a few criteria. Oh, what do they look like? God. Do they, are they just, I, does it say I love Jesus or I'm a Trump supporter or whatever? Like, if it says like they're a Christian or... A conservative, then I'm like, I don't care how hot she is. I'm okay, do you up. write? Do you read more bios from on profiles that you aren't interested in? I don't. Not really. I mean, I guess I do see some that, like, I know I've sent you screenshots because certain things will like stand out. But like, you're gonna swipe would, left, but you're like, oh, I want to read the bio first to see if there's any bullshit in here that I yeah. want to screenshot. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, but as far as, like, a lie, I mean, I could go on all day and tell you about things that I think are fucked up or that look stupid or that come off that I would would never suggest a a woman or any man put on their profile, Yeah, you know, um, just because it's stupid. It's like, why would you do that? Like, I could spend all day doing that. All right, I got one for you. Okay, okay. what are signs that a guy is not mentally and emotionally matured? Uh, like, it rather than communicating, like, uh, his, like, if he's feeling jealous or, like, insecure or, like, mm-hmm. whatever, rather than, like, finding a way to communicate that, like, up front or directly, they, like, doing shit like going through your phone or mm-hmm. fucking, like, uh, like, yeah, being, like, being, like, uh, you know, when you're going out with your friends, like, they're messaging you and shit and, like, trying to make you feel like shit, like, okay. for being out or, like, if they get, okay, here's the thing. If they get sick, like if you're going out with your friends and then you already can kind of get a vibe that they're like not having it or whatever, or they're being pissy. And then you get a message from them where they're like, I'm sick. Or they're like suddenly have a fever. Mm-hmm. Like that's a fucking red flag. Really? I'm just going to I don't know how I got there or how we got here right now. But like that's a red flag. Okay. Ladies, men, they's, thems. That's, that's a, a red, red flag. flag. What if they legitimately are sick? then they shouldn't be texting you and burning you unless they need a fucking ride to the hospital because well, you're so. out trying to have fun and they're trying to shit on your good time. All right. You got one for me. <laughs> That's really, I got really impassioned by that. I love it. I don't even remember what the question was. Okay. Ready? All yeah. right. Men of Reddit. 
So this is the last one. What would you, what, okay, what would make you not approach a woman you find attractive? What would make me not approach a woman I yes. find attractive? I mean, I don't approach every woman I find attractive. You know, I don't. Well, then tell me why in those cases. <laughs> I mean, it depends on the environment. It depends on the mood. Tell it me one thing, but one like, instance. <laughs> so, are, so, like, why, if I see, so let's say I'm out looking to pick up a girl. And I see a girl that I think. When's is the last time you went out looking to pick up a girl? It's been forever ago. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying because it's not like because I, I see women that I find attractive all the time. So okay, let me but ask I don't you this. Just okay, approach every single. Ready? Woman. Ready. You're on. You're on Facebook or Instagram, right? Okay. And like the the profile pops up. You're friends with them or whatever. They mm-hmm. just pop up. They're you, like single. They live here. What would stop you from messaging them or DMing them? Oh, okay. And so, being like, like, if they have, hey. like, on a dating profile or just... No, just, in, like, say Facebook or Instagram. What would stop me? Yeah. Um, probably not wanting to seem like some kind of creepy weirdo that just okay. messages people out of the blue and asks them out or whatever. You know... Like, that's that's what would stop me because, I mean, I can why only would imagine they th- how many times... <laughs> Excuse a woman me. gets unsolicited people trying to slide into On my DMs. Facebook and my Instagram? Yeah. I mean, rarely. I mean, but, I mean, maybe it's just me. So should I just start trolling no. girls? Oh, my Facebook? God. Why would you troll them? No. <laughs> Do not troll anybody. No, it's, it's a different use of the word troll. Okay. Should you, should you like, approach them? And say like, like should I? Hey, I, mean, I don't know. You're, you know, like I, I like your new profile picture. Like, uh, I, it shows you're single. Like, I don't know if that's true or not. Would you want to get coffee? But I don't know. I mean, Fuck, I've never done that. I, I, I have done that. Do. I have done that. Now, but if you were like, I mean, and I have. You have. You know, the the lady that did my birth chart that I told you about, that was just me kind of messaging her out of the blue. Do you want me to read you the funniest interaction that I've had doing that? Yes. Okay. Please. It it really is the best. It's so clumsy on my part. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna read names. Okay. Okay. So this is April second. All right. Twenty. So almost one year ago. All right. Okay. I messaged this to this person. Okay. On Instagram, I slid into their DMs. Oh, I shit. I said, "Hey, I'm wondering if you'd want to hang out sometime, chill and smoke." I think this might be my first time sliding into somebody's DMs. So be easy on me. LOL. Okay. Oh, I'm going to steal that. Okay, that was April 2nd. I'm just going to copy and paste that. <laughs> Do you want to know when he, when he messaged me back? When? October 2nd. Okay. When, so, you said April? April. Okay. Were you friends with him on Facebook? I, or? I was friends with him on Instagram. Oh, okay. This is what he said. Mm-hmm. I just cognitively saw this message. And yes. So I said, oh, I forgot I sent this. <laughs> but glad you've seen it. Let me know when you're free sometime. Nothing. I mean, it just wasn't in the cards. Like, <laughs> why do you think in October, like, like, why message back after that long to not respond? I don't know. That's weird, right? You should send him a link no. to this podcast. No. <laughs> He's seen it, I'm sure. I think he might have. All right. Last question, and then we'll get on to the the friends of okay, the show okay, okay, questions, yeah. okay? I'm ready. Because I'm genuinely curious, because I've never had a conversation about this with another woman. Okay. 
I'm or with a woman. Is I'm, this the one uh, Sarah sent you? No. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll save that. Too okay. Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who are sexually active. All right. Have you slash how often do you use female condoms? Oh, I never have. You never have. Sarah, have you? No. No. Okay. Like and <laughs> and so I was just curious because the top comment on here. I've never seen a female condom in my life. Are they real? <laughs> I feel like how do, do would they go? But the second the second comment is my boyfriend at the time told me it felt like fucking a tent. Oh, I could he, never take them seriously. After how does that. he know he what a tent feels like? Cheerfully wore male condoms. I mean, he's probably just making a joke. But that would be That's I don't know hilarious. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> Condoms are so. Have you evil. ever encountered a sexual experience where the woman, woman said, "Hang on, let me put a condom on"? Absolutely not. Never. What would you would you be like? Oh, here we go. I'd be like, I've never used one of those, but I'm down. I'm. I mean, Katie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm pretty agreeable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just happy to be there. I am just happy to be. Here. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. All right. So. That's really going to be it for that part. Now, this is we we got to wrap it up, but we're going to go through the emails. All right, first question, friend of the show. I'm not sure if we should mention no. names or not, so we're not going to. Uh, over the past year, this is the this the uh, subject is the blind leading the blind. Okay. Over the past year, my nine year old son was referred by his school for ADHD screening, and he was recently formally diagnosed with ADHD. Combined type. I'm not sure what that means. I got it. That's mine. Uh, (laughs) That's my type. (laughs) And then in parentheses, it says, to no one's surprise, during his first screening appointment, he literally climbed the walls and then appeared to be lost in another world when asked repeatedly to come down. In the course of his assessment and learning more about ADHD, it became apparent to me that I also have significant executive dysfunction. Where do I even start to assist my son with learning to manage his symptoms? I can clearly see how much he benefits from routines, order, regular exercise. In other words, all the things that I have sucked at creating for myself for my entire life. I buy books about ADHD that I don't finish or check out audiobooks that I start playing and completely tune out and retain almost nothing from. I do that same shit too. Mm-hmm. I feel like the blind leading the blind and maybe the worst possible person to help a child who struggles to manage his attention. Is there a good place to start? What's an achievable first step for us? Okay. So, uh, first of all, uh, I think that the important thing here is to say, like, to use the strengths of, like, what connects you in your in the way that you present with your neurodivergence. So like, um, if he relies heavily on routine and things like that, um, and that is something that, um, you know, she struggles with that, like she can benefit from his, his strength there, um, by like working with his routine and kind of going with that. Right. So I'll say that I want to say I had a client today, um, that is like, it's very relevant to this, um, to this question. And they were, um, they were 
talking about how their kid was on the autism spectrum and that they had been they had been diagnosed pretty early on in life and that um that their their kid was now 15 and they were telling them that they think that their parent is also on the spectrum Mm -hmm. um and it was the best and i haven't talked to sarah about this but sarah they their kid brought them the dsm-5 and like was reading all, and it was so it was, was so lily. So the DSM is like the manual for like diagnostic criteria for every mental disorder. Oh, and so um, it was just the best. Uh, and so they were talking about like I, I was saying to them like um, part of what has enabled their kid to be um, as well adjusted as they are in in like. Um, spite of some of their executive dysfunction and like being on the spectrum is that their parent without even really understanding or knowing um, was able to kind of meet them where they were and, and where power struggles existed outside of the home and where powers, power struggles, power struggles existed outside of the home for their kid. They didn't exist at home because their parent was just like naturally more understanding of their struggles. And so like the environment at home was a lot more conducive to the functioning of their kid. And so it like created the space where it was like, they didn't have to like have things. They didn't need help. They had right. it figured out. So would you say this person's already off to a I good know, start I just know. by being aware? Okay, so I know this person. I know who, we're not going to name them, but mm-hmm. I know who they are, and we've had a conversation about this. And I know that I know that they all of what I said applies to them. That they are creating that environment for their child, and where there are power struggles that exist outside of the home, and like with other places and other people, they don't exist at home, and that's not a problem. That's a positive. That's a good thing. And to hear that and know that, like, they are doing something right with their kid. They are seeing them. Their kid feels safe. That's all. All right. So should we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. So this next one, uh, they sent us three questions. The first question, I feel like we've kind of talked about it a little bit, and we're probably going to talk about this a lot. Okay. Um, In every episode. But it's, how does your ADHD affect your lives now? As compared to when you were a child. I mean, yeah, we've definitely yeah. given <laughs> so a I think very, kinda, yeah. We've kind of covered yeah. that. Um, at what point did you notice that how you function in many ways is not the same as other people? And I guess this would be your question to answer because... I've known my whole life, but it wasn't like clearly defined until I had mm-hmm. my diagnosis. And then I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> It sounded like the scene from Office, <laughs> okay. Office Space. Where he's like, oh, space. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sorry. It's fine. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but anyway, anyway so, I mean, I guess it would have been when you moved to marketing, right? When you were yeah. working for the hospital. I, but, like, before that, it was, like, when uh, my, my friend raised her hand in kindergarten and answered the question, and I was like, what the fuck? How do they know they answered I don't? That's magic. I mean, I knew then that, like, I was different. Okay. Just, well. I just didn't have the words. Yeah, and, and for me, I, I never really thought I was different. And I, I never really felt I was different, even when I was taking the Ritalin and after I had yeah. the diagnosis. It was just... It was do you feel different like, now? Um, I mean, after talking to you a lot <laughs> and, and looking more into it, I, I feel like I do. But I feel like I can function pretty well yeah. in life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I get all my bills paid. I take my trash out. 
But you know, I have there's a other reminder in my to, phone to tell me yes. to do it. But yeah, that's how I do it. Um, so, last question, and this is a great question to end on. Okay. What advice would you give an adult that was just diagnosed with ADHD? Um. Okay. So, like, aside from, like, obviously getting a therapist who specializes in neurodivergence and, like, also um, getting a psychiatrist if you're wanting to explore, like, medication options, um, all of that stuff. Like, I think that, like, if I am working with a client and they are struggling and they've got all the bases covered there and I'm I'm a support person talking to them, like, what are we doing? I'm going to say – um understand how uh different how your brain works differently understand like um how you have uh manifested like certain coping strategies and and like um mechanisms like mechanisms and things like that so that you have like a really clear definition for like ways that uh you are disabled or like not disabled i I don't want to use that word but like um ways in which like that diagnosis has caused you to have dysfunction to really kind of narrow in on those things and try really hard to work on like not feeling shame um, and saying things like this is happening or this has happened for a long time or I function this way because I'm, I am neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm on the spectrum or I have ADHD. This is, this is something that's, been a part of me and it's not because I'm wrong or bad like just really settling into kind of some mantras about like how maybe things that you have like felt a lot of shame about yourself for those dysfunctions mm-hmm. as like this is just a part of how my brain works and however that's been perceived by me or other people in the past that's not true this is what's true moving forward and just really kind of like settling in on some like rationalizing that for yourself to dispel some of the shame that's likely very likely like attached to it like looking back into some previous relationships and now that i'm you know after talking to you and and kind of learning more about adhd as an adult and you know accepting that i am neurodivergent and all of those kinds of things i really wish that I could have communicated to people that I was in relationships with in the past that, hey, this is a part of who I am and this is something that you're just – because, you know, I'm always being accused of you're not listening to me. I'm trying to talk to you and you're just off in another world and all these kinds of things and, like, getting mad at yeah. me for it. Like, and I'm just, like, I you know, I'm accused of being an asshole a lot. And some of those accusations are valid. But <laughs> at the same time – at the same time, a lot of those, well, I, 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 it's not intentional. Yes. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not intentionally trying to be an asshole too. Similar to that. Like I have been accused, uh, some like of being manipulative okay. or of like feigning ignorance or like pretend like of like not of being stupid really. And, and like dim and like being like not able to read between the lines or like, uh, not able to p- take a hint. Or, like, those kinds of things. Because I need things said directly to me. Or I don't get it. Right. I need you to say, get out of the way. 
Uh, you're in the way. Uh, it's time for you to go home. Uh, we need you here at this time. This is important. I need those things said to me. Don't very... forget your microphone. Don't forget your microphone. <laughs> um, it's at 730. Whatever, right? I need those. It's like, and so if I show up and like, um, like sometimes people be like, oh, she's late because she thinks she's better or she's aloof or this or that. She's cold. She's this. She's for, mm-hmm. she's aloof or uh, flighty or flaky or whatever. And it's like, I just, or like, or that I mean something that I didn't when I said something. And it's like, no, I meant what I just said. It's just like people just thinking I, there's something you else. make assumptions. Yeah. Make assumptions or think that I'm being obtuse or whatever. Is it, a, you know, and, this may just be true for everyone and not just people with ADHD or neurodivergent people, but does it really piss you off whenever people make assumptions about you that aren't true? Like, even on, like, little things. Like, so, oh, well, you're probably thinking this. I'm like, yeah, no. So Wrong. here's the thing. It pisses me off when people make assumptions um, and then act forward or move forward with those assumptions as true without mm-hmm. ever communicating to me what those assumptions are. Okay. So it like pisses me off if somebody's like, oh, um, I just assumed you didn't want to come because because like I talked whatever reason. And then I'm Wait, like are we talking about like going someplace just or, like, random oh. shit. No. Oh my God. <laughs> if anybody were to say that to me in the like in that context, I think I would like Oh my God, if a woman said that to me I assume during sex, I just assume you didn't I, want to come. I'd be like, I'm that'd be cry. very rude. <laughs> it'd be so it's it's as rude as saying I assumed you didn't want to come to the fucking whatever, and then like, you're to like, the wedding or something you like didn't that. ask me, and then they're like, well, last time, and it's like, well, this time's different. Like you didn't like, why would you that shit? Where right. that pisses me off. But if somebody's like, uh, I assumed like it was too late to call mm-hmm. or I assumed like you might have been a, I don't care about that shit like honestly. right no I'm talking about like people may make assumptions about your character yeah that pisses me the fuck <laughs> yeah. off uh, it seems to be uh, a yeah. lot to me lately yeah <laughs> yeah we can talk about it after the show yeah <laughs> but anyway that's gonna do it okay yeah for to the first time how do you feel uh, okay I mean I feel good okay. so anybody out there listening we're gonna be setting this up through Anchor on Spotify we will have the ability for everyone to uh, leave us voicemails that's kind of something that we would like to get into is if we can build up a good listener base I think to, people uh, maybe we could talk about it but like maybe if we if people wanted to call and leave a voicemail and we called them back uh, I don't know. Why? I, we'll, we'll see. Like, I would. Baby, I would. Baby steps. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Baby cool. steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we can just refer yeah, them to, to okay. you as being their therapist. How about that? I'm uncomfortable in this show, though. We need to be done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you guys, if anybody out there listening wants uh, to write us, uh, you can do so at neurodivert. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't even say the name of the show. Neurodetergent.pod at gmail.com. I'm Eric. I'm Katie. And... This is it. This is it. Bye. (laughs)